Praise God that he has, through faith in Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, taken our hearts and sealed us for eternity. And we have that hope. We have that guarantee, that promise, not something that we're just wishful thinking about. We have the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18 this morning, Luke 18, we took off from our Second Thessalonians study last week for Memorial Day, and I wanted to um, look at one other passage before we get back to Second Thessalonians next week uh, in Luke 18 as we launch our Vacation Bible School. And we already um, spoke of the hard work that people have already done in relation to Vacation Bible School, which can be seen through the decorations Uh, That doesn't indicate the amount of time that people have already put into their lesson planning and things like that. And so just uh, so we can show some appreciation to you, uh, if you're working with Vacation Bible School this week, would you stand up so that we can uh, thank God for you this morning? Stand up and let us see you. Just stay standing for just a minute because we want to have a special prayer for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these and others. We know we have others working on both wings with children this morning who aren't with us this morning uh, in this service, but we thank you for each one of these uh, who are dedicating themselves this week uh, to working with your kids, Um, children that you've given us as your gifts, uh, that we get to invest your word, your love, uh, your praise in. And we pray that you would bless these who are standing and are going to be serving this week. We pray for safety for them. We pray for health for them. Father, we pray for stamina, and we pray that you would use them in a great way uh, to work in the lives of children and in each other. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. can be seated. I appreciate that. Also, I want to thank those who helped us transition from meeting outdoors this morning to meeting indoors. Um, You know, the plan was, as many of you know, we were going to meet outside today, and a lot of work goes into getting that ready and then making the decision you know, to not do it because of the weather um, took a lot of work. And so thank those of you who served this morning and last night and Friday and, and all the different times in that preparation. Thanks for doing that. We really appreciate it. We know that we don't notice it because we weren't here watching you do it, but we do appreciate uh, all the effort that you put into it. And so now we look at Luke chapter 18 as we look forward uh, to this work that's going to be going on um, with our kids this week. Verse 15 of Luke chapter 18. I shared another passage along these lines at our prayer meeting on Wednesday night, but I wanted us to take a few minutes to, to focus on this one uh, this morning. People were bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I'm going to reread that last phrase. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That is a loud statement. 
But before we look at that, let's think about the whole idea of Jesus' affection, of Jesus' care, and of his love for children. That's the basis for what we're doing this week. And, and those who stood up this morning, for which we're very grateful that you stood up and let us recognize you, but they're not the only ones who, according to Jesus, ought to be caring about children. And, and just because they're working at Vacation Bible School doesn't mean they're the only ones that care about children. We know that everybody can't work at Vacation Bible School. Everybody's not gifted to be able to. Everybody doesn't have the time available. Everybody doesn't have the circumstances, the health, all those different kind of things. But Jesus, it says very clearly here, cares about children. He thinks that they are important. Now, we're living in a day when that's being challenged. So we think, think about the, the unborn children who aren't being cared for today. And, and, and we need to continue our prayers and our work toward getting people to care about the unborn. Particularly in our own relationships, in, in sharing our own stories, in sharing of our faith in Christ and his love for the unborn. We need to be caring about them. But he wasn't talking in this particular case about the unborn. He was talking about kids who are already there and whose parents were impressed. And again, we don't, it, it's hard to, to, to remember the dynamic here, but, but think about who Jesus is and, and what he was doing and the parents of these kids seeing him in their area. They've been hearing about him and he shows up in their area and what do they want to do? They, they've, they've heard all these stories about him. They've, they've heard some of his teaching because he's, he's doing this, this statement on children in the midst of some teaching. So they've heard him. They may have seen him do some miracles. And the first thing that comes to their mind is, I want my child to be blessed by him. It's a good thought. It's a thought that many of you have had and, and are having right now concerning your children. I want my child to be blessed by this man. And remember, they, were, they, were, they were, still weren't as certain as we are about who Jesus was. But they knew he was something special. Some of them already believed that he was the Son of God, already believed that he was the Messiah, already believed that he was the Savior. But if, if not, they believed that he was a, a special prophet. That he had some special place in, in God's kingdom. And they wanted their children to be blessed by him. And so they brought him and said, hey, Jesus, would you at least touch him? And we don't do a whole lot of that kind of thing. But it's a great thing they were trying to do. I, w- I want my child blessed by this man, and maybe by faith, they were believing that he was, I want, I want my, God, my child blessed by God. We do something like that a little bit in a certain way when we do our baby and family dedications. You know, we, we, we're asking God to bless our children. But more important than, than a special dedication service or ceremony is just on a daily basis, through prayer, and hopefully that's part of your experience that you pray for your kids, you pray for God's blessing, 
in their lives. You want him to be active in their lives. You want them to be responsive to him. You want them to be recognizing him in in everything that's happening in their lives. and You want them to come to know him personally. You want them to come to faith in Jesus. And you do everything that you can, including, and and again, I commend you for this, including bringing them on a regular basis to church where other adults in their classes will also be reinforcing the things that you've been teaching them and, and, and emphasizing to them. Praise God for your desire for God to bless your children, just like these parents wanted God to bless their children. And the disciples, again, and not in one of their finest moments, and we're not here to criticize the disciples, they've, they had a hard job. Figuring everything out was tough for them. And this wasn't, you know, this wasn't one of their shiny moments when they, and we don't know how harshly, but, but he uses a pretty strong word, Luke does, to describe this. They rebuked these parents for bringing their kids in. Jesus was too busy, in their opinion, to be dealing with these kids. Jesus was, was too busy doing more important things than touching these children. I mean, he's teaching, he's working miracles, he's got a lot going on. He doesn't need these little rugrats all around him. No. And, and again, thankfully, even though he often did it gently, sometimes he did it very sternly, he was willing to confront his disciples when they got it wrong. And here's an, another example of when they got it wrong. We get it wrong sometimes. And that's where his word comes in, where he sometimes gently, sometimes very sternly corrects us, reminds us, points it out. And and hopefully you're experiencing that on a regular basis as you read God's word. Remember, that's the whole dynamic that we're looking for when we read God's word. We're not just reading it as a good luck charm. You know, we're not, we're not just reading these words and, and hoping that because I've done this, then, you know, things are going to go better for me today. The whole idea of reading God's word is to see what our lives are supposed to be like and to see what we're supposed to be thinking about, to see what we're supposed to be believing. And there are times when we read God's word and we realize, wait a minute, this doesn't look like me. My life doesn't look like what this word is, is, is saying today. That's him rebuking you. That's him instructing you. That's him saying, hey, shape up. Think differently. That's why the Apostle Paul called it in Romans 12 when he said that, we're, that our lives are being transformed as believers in Jesus. He says we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Word of God renews our minds, helps us to think properly so that we can start living our lives the way that God wants us to. And when we catch ourselves like the disciples did on this particular day, when we catch ourselves in a situation where we're not doing what God wants us to do, then we need to respond accordingly, as they did. Because instantly after Jesus said that, after he rebuked them, instantly, and he called the children to come unto him, they came. And the disciples didn't stop them again. And as they came, Jesus made a really incredibly important statement. 
He said that the kingdom of God belongs to people like this. To children. He cares about children. It's not too soon to be teaching our children, your children, your grandchildren. It's not too soon to be teaching them about Jesus. To be teaching them about about God and his creation, about his love for us. It's not too soon to be teaching them the the stories of his word. And And I thank God for those of you who commit yourselves regularly, not only for your own kids and grandkids, but commit yourselves regularly to teach the children here at Midway. Vacation Bible School Week and regularly on on Sunday mornings, like the ones who are teaching even right now. Praise God for people that are recognizing the truth of Jesus' statement. It's not too soon. Do you remember what Paul told Timothy when he was reminiscing about, about Timothy's life? In 2 Timothy, he said that Timothy knew the Holy Scriptures from infancy. From the time that he was a little baby, Timothy heard about the Bible. He heard about what the Bible said. From infancy. And and the Apostle Paul was saying that as a positive thing. God loves children. And he said that the kingdom of God, his kingdom, belongs to people like them. And think about those children that particular day. Do you know they're all dead now? We don't think about that kind of thing very often. It's pretty obvious. It's 2000, over 2,000 years ago. Obviously, they're dead now. But they were getting ready for their death on this particular day. Now, it seems like a morbid thought, but it's not, it's reality. Jesus was helping them get ready that day by being, by by expressing himself as the son of God that he is. By blessing them, by touching them, by talking to them, by interacting with them, by receiving them to come to him, by, by calling them to himself, by commending them even at their, at their young age, commending them for their faith. Because it's that childlike faith that he's talking about. It's that humility that he's talking about. As they came to him that day, he was preparing them for something bigger even than their lives in Palestine, than their lives in Israel. He was getting them ready for the kingdom of God. He was getting them ready for eternity. And that's what we're doing every time we teach someone the word of God. Every time we teach a child about the word of God. Oh, we don't like to think about, you know, things like that. But it's reality. This story is an example of it. These things took place so long ago that everybody in the story is dead. Just like that's going to be the case for everybody in this story. If the Lord doesn't return sooner, and we believe he will, and we hope that he will, but we don't know, because remember, a day is like a thousand years with the Lord, and a a thousand years is like a day. So we're still only on day two, 
in terms of, of, in terms of his waiting to return. So he, say he takes three days. Well, then all of us will be dead. As will our children. And we have the opportunity to help them be ready for that. By teaching them of the love of Jesus Christ. Again, we're, we're living in a time when it's, it's on its way, as it, as it has in some parts of Canada, it's on its way to becoming criminal to teach children these things. And so we need to be prayerful. We need to be vigilant. We need to be careful in our voting and everything else to try to keep that kind of thing from happening. We need to protect our children. And one of the ways that we protect them is by the protection of our rights to continue sharing the gospel with them. Continue sharing the word of God with them. Continue protecting them from from evil influences and harm, which is not happening very well right now. So we need to be aware of these things, aware of the the attack on children today in, in many arenas. And do what we can and, and, and again, there are lots of things to do, but it starts with prayer. And it starts with our own relationships with others as we talk about the importance of children. And the importance of teaching them well. And, and the fact that there is a truth to teach them. That's, that's one of the biggest things going on in our culture right now. Is that our kids are being taught that there isn't a, an absolute truth. That everybody's opinion and everybody's idea, that all of it is adequate and all of it's okay and all of it's of equal value. When we know that's not the case, according to the way God made us in his creation and the way that he instructs us in his word. And so we need to stand for truth and help them understand that because they're going to be hearing it, if not at school, then in in, in all of their relationships they're going to be hearing stuff about these things and we need to stand firm on the concept of things being right and wrong things being true and false and help them to understand that two opposing realities both can't be real it's only possible for one of those things to be true if they're opposing each other we need help them see that it's our responsibility. It's our opportunity. And again, a week of vacation Bible school is just an example of it. This is just a, a, a big week representing what we do every week and every day as we raise our kids and grandkids and as we teach our children. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Eternal life belongs to such as these who learn that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the one who can really bless somebody. You know, Jesus didn't say, disciples, you're right. They, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't be coming up here because I got nothing for them. No, he had something for them. Him, him interacting with them, even touching them physically, that was something very special because of who he is. And see, that is reality. That's who Jesus is. He's the one who can bless a life. He's the one who can change a life. And he wants us to come to him 
like those children do. Because look what he says as he continues. He says, not only does the kingdom of God belong to such as these, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Do you you see how he started that statement? I'm telling you the truth. You see, Jesus believes there's truth. Jesus believes there's right and there's wrong. He created it. He understands it. He is truth. Do you remember what he said about himself to Thomas when Thomas told him that he didn't know the way to where Jesus was going in John 14? Because Jesus told his disciples, you guys know where I'm going. I've been telling you for years now. And Thomas said, "Another again, another bad moment. Disciple bad moment. Uh, no. We don't know. We, we have no idea where you're going. We do not know what you're talking about. And Jesus makes this great statement. Listen to it. I am the way and the truth and the life. Do you hear that? Do you hear those three things? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That sounds very similar to this, doesn't it? Unless, it says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You know what what he says in those two statements? There are people who are never going to enter it. That is a reality. That's the truth. We need to believe that truth. We need to embrace that truth. We need to understand that truth, and we need to share that truth even with our children, but not just with our children, because remember, this isn't just about children this morning. Vacation Bible School this week is not just about children. Oh, that's the, they're the emphasis. But you know some people who are going to grow this week in their faith? The people who are working at Vacation Bible School. Because they are going to see some things in those children, and they're going to scratch their head and say, why have I forgotten that? Why am I not believing like that? Why am I not humbling myself like that? We've got a lot to learn from them. But the reality is, everybody doesn't enter the kingdom of God. Everybody doesn't go to the Father. It's only those who humble themselves before him and recognize who he is and what he's done for us. It's only those who enter the kingdom. Just before Jesus had this interaction with the children on this particular day, he had told the parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. You remember that story? The Pharisee went to the temple to pray. And I'll paraphrase. paraphrase. So, oh God, thank you for not making me like that tax collector over there. In other words, thank you for making me better. Thank you for all the things that I do for you. In other words, thank you for how great I am. How worthy I am. And then the tax collector comes up his turn. 
and beats his chest and says, have mercy on me. God, I'm a sinner. And you know what Jesus said about the two? He said to that one, the tax collector, that's the one who walks away justified. In other words, right with God. Not the one who saw how great he was and who his prayer was all about bragging to God about how great he was. But the one who humbled himself and recognized that he didn't stand a chance except for God's mercy, which is expressed to us through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. See, Jesus has this taken care of. Even though everybody's not going to receive him, everybody who does receive him, every single one of us, no, no matter where we've been, what we've said, what we've done, who we've been with, what race we are, what language we speak, how much money we make or don't make, none of those things matter. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ, if we humble ourselves before him and admit that we can't save ourselves, that we're not adequate, that our good works are not good enough. And we humble ourselves and we put our trust in him and what he did for us when he died on the cross for us, taking upon himself the wages that we deserved for our sin. Because remember that, the wages of sin is death. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about these children and, and those who are observing If you don't come into the kingdom of heaven and receive it or take it like a little child, you don't get in. So humble yourself, he's saying. Like that tax collector. The immediate context of what he he was speaking about. Humble yourself. Admit that you can't do it alone. Admit that you're not good enough. Admit that your sins against God and against your fellow man are great. And that you need forgiveness. And that Jesus, you believe, according to the word of God, because of what he said and because of who he is and what he's done. Believe in all of that. Believe it's for you. And at that moment, it says, the wages that you deserve to be paid for your sins are paid by Jesus. He's paid to Jesus. We don't have to pay, be paid that. That is a great thought. And it's not just a thought, it's a reality. It's a truth. We don't have to suffer the eternal consequences of our own rebellion against God because we've turned from that. We've recognized it for what it is, rebellion against God. We've turned away from that. We've said, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I need you to change me. I need you to to lead me to take me from this point on. And like the disciples that we see mentioned in the scripture, and these these are the good guys, remember. These are the great guys. These are the guys who are the foundation, you know, they're they're the foundation stones of our faith. We're going to be like them sometimes. We're not going to get it. We're going to say wrong things and do wrong things like they did. And we'll have good intentions. Remember, these guys had good intentions that day. Probably. Now, they may have just wanted to get this meeting over with so they could go, you know, eat and rest. So so there might have been some selfish, but probably not. They were trying to look out for Jesus. They thought they were doing the right thing. 
we're going to have our problems in following Jesus. And if you've spent any time with another follower of Jesus, you find out we've all got our problems. I found out this week that uh, Larry and Nadine Covington just celebrated their 53rd anniversary. And you know what Nadine has found out in those 53 years? Same thing that Larry found out. Larry's got his problems and Nadine's got her problems. Am I right, you guys? Yeah. Nadine mostly, yeah. We, Larry, you didn't have to say that. We knew that. No. We've got our problems, folks. If you're sitting here thinking that everybody else in this room has got their act together and they are smooth sailing, think again. You don't, you don't, know, some, you don't know anybody well enough. Because if you knew anybody here well enough, we don't have it all together. We are his disciples. We're his followers. We're his learners. And we need, on a regular basis, this rebuking that Jesus gave them that day. And he, and he extended the rebuke to more than just his disciples. He was extending that rebuke to those that he was teaching the parables to earlier. And saying, guys, look at these kids and get it. Understand it. You don't get in. You're, you're not a part of my family if you are going to hang on to your pride. And you're going to hang on to, to your attempts at doing good things and trying to impress people. That's not going to work. And you're going to end up eternally lost. He's, he's rebuking a lot of people there. And so listen to it. Hear what he's saying. Humble yourself like a child. Like these kids who are coming up to him, some of them being brought, some of them coming on their own, and him blessing them. They were coming to someone to be blessed. They weren't saying, I don't need that. They went. They, they knew, they'd seen, what, seen and heard what Jesus was, had been doing. And the parents, and then those who were old enough to, to see it themselves, they came for that blessing. And they knew who to come to. And th- we were singing about him this morning. Jesus. How many times? Jesus. Jesus. He's all we need. He's who we need. He's what we need. For now, to help us through the difficulties of this life, which we all encounter to various degrees and times and all those kind of things, we need his help now, and we need his help for eternity. We are counting on him to do what he says. We are counting on him that people who receive him as a, as a child humbly receiving all that he is instead of trying to bring it ourselves. We're counting on him to do what he says and receive us into relationship with him, into eternal life with him.
We're counting on him and him alone. Not mixing it with the good stuff that we do or some other philosophies or, or religious ideas. You know, the other yesterday I was driving with one of my granddaughters and we passed a new, uh, a new Hindu temple that's being built just a couple miles from here. I didn't even know about it. It's on a street I'd never been on before. And she was asking about, well, what do they do there? And I could have said, well, that's just another way to God. Because that's what we're saying these days. Or I tell her the truth. Say, well, those are people that don't understand God. And they're trying to worship him, but they're doing it with idols. Of course, what's an idol? And, you know, and on it goes. And it will continue. Because that's the way this is. Folks, we're surrounded, and our children are surrounded by people who are being told all kinds of stuff that's not true. And so don't fall prey with the rest of this culture in, in, in giving them the idea that everything's okay as long as you believe it hard enough and, and treat people nice. Don't let them fall into that. And don't believe it yourself. We have Jesus' word. Jesus is the one who said this. If you don't receive me as one of these children, you don't get in. Know that. It's the truth. And it's, it's a sad reality in a sense because of those who won't believe him and those who don't receive him. It's a sad reality, but it's also a joyful reality because everybody who receives him, he gives eternal life. He gives forgiveness of sins. He takes them through this life for his glory. He does wonderful things for everybody who believes. So it's a wonderful thing. It's tragic for those who don't believe. But it's open and available to everybody who believe. Without restriction. Every single person. The, the scripture is, is filled with stories of those kinds of people. He's just about ready in Luke 19. Just about ready to have his encounter with Zacchaeus. Not a, not a tax collector of a parable, but a real live one. A real rotten guy. A, a guy who had turned his back on his own people. And was making his living a really good one off of overcharging them for their taxes. And Jesus loved him. And because he humbled himself, as Jesus is talking about right here, because he put his trust in Jesus, stopped putting his trust in himself, in his income, in his, his, his ability to you know, manipulate the numbers to have it come out good on his side, the minute he stopped putting his trust in that and put his trust in Jesus, Jesus received him. So I'm coming to your house. And everyone goes, what? Not that guy. That guy is too bad. That guy is too sinful. That guy is awful. And Jesus, with joy, just kind of stuck it right in their faces. I'm going to his house. 
Because that's the kind of people I love to save. Zacchaeus was no worse than Saul of Tarsus, who later on became the Apostle Paul. He was in charge of Stephen's stoning. Stephen, the believer in Jesus, who was stoned. Literally, people threw rocks at him until he died. Saul of Tarsus was in charge of that occasion. He was a murderer. He was a a hate crime specialist. He specifically sought out Christians to kill and to mistreat, to abuse. You know what God did with him? Same thing he did with Zacchaeus. Same thing he did with every single one of us who humble ourselves before him and receive him. He saved him. He saves us. And he will save you and he will save kids this week who put their trust in Jesus Christ. And you have some people in your life that you think they're too far gone. They are so lost. They are so against God and against the Bible and against Jesus. There is no way they will ever believe. I say baloney. They might not, but they might. So don't you, from your part, don't you stop praying. Don't you stop looking for opportunities to talk to them about Jesus. Don't you quit. Because Jesus didn't quit. He was tempted. Remember, Jesus was tempted just like we are. And I think one of those critical temptations was that night before his crucifixion when he was in the garden. You remember that. He said, Father, if there's another way, let's do it. But not my will. Your will be done. He was tempted right then just to... Just not, not go through it. Not go to that cross. But he did it. And so you're going to be tempted. Some of your friends and some of your family members saying, no, there's no way. No, you keep praying. Don't stop. Keep praying for opportunities yourself. Pray for other people that are believers to have opportunities in their lives. Pray. And see what God will do. He saves the most unlikely of people. The hardest to reach. He saves them. So don't stop. Don't give up. And if it's you, he loves you. There isn't a greater passage in Scripture that speaks of his love than of his love for children and of your need to be like him. He loves you. Put your trust in him today. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is for us to have ministry with children. What a blessing this week is going to be. And Father, we're thankful. Many of us here this morning, we've received the love of Jesus from the time we were children because we were taught well. We had parents and grandparents who who took us to churches like this and, and who took us to vacation Bible schools. And we learned it not just from our parents and grandparents. We learned it from other people that we respected also. They taught us the same things and they showed us the same things. They lived the same things. And here we are this morning. We thank you for that. And we thank you that we get to do the same thing for this generation of kids. And Father, our parents and grandparents thought that we were growing up in the worst time. 
Now we think our kids and grandkids are. But we know it's always been bad, Father. And we know that you have always provided help. You've always provided rescue. You've always provided mercy and grace. And so, Father, help any who are here this morning who haven't put your trust in Jesus yet. Help them to realize the truth of what your word says and that there are people who are not going to enter your kingdom, who are not going to become a member of your family because they refuse to humble themselves before you. Give them the courage and the faith right now to humble themselves before you and to stop trusting their efforts, to stop trusting trusting their philosophies, to stop trusting their education, and to trust Jesus, the one who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, we pray your special blessing on our ministry to children this week and our observations of how we can be more like them as we humbly receive and serve you, our Savior. In Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.